Opinionated Marketers, a podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Hello and welcome to Opinionated Marketers with Charles Nixon and me, Kieran Kapoor. Today we are going to be talking, continuing our view of the pestle analysis and we've got to S for social and we started discussing it last week but we felt there was so much more to discuss that we wanted to come back to it this week. So Charles, we were talking about perhaps the impact of Covid on social. Yes, we were talking about how it has changed people's, perhaps their shopping habits, their uh, uh, personal habits in terms of um, activities, um, and to some degree, the actual level of um, uh, degree to which uh, consumer psychology has changed. Um, uh, from that perspective, you know, the aspect of working from home and um, and uh, staying at home um, has brought about um, a term that's used as a hermit consumer. Um, um, a large article in The Economist on that topic um, and how people's um, attitudes to um, purchasing uh, have changed. This is also, I think, probably uh, a time of pause uh, because of COVID, which allowed more people to think about the ecological issues in their purchasing. I suspect we haven't seen a lot of this play out yet because it's been the most extraordinary period post-COVID in that we've had the war in Europe. Now we've obviously got problems going on in the Middle East. Um, sorry, the war in the Middle East. We've got other things that have happened. We've had an economy that struggled, then seemed to get be OK and now seems to be struggling again, the cost of living crisis. So there's been an awful lot of other things that have come along that have then also hit the social side. So I think there was a huge element of I will reconsider my life. I will only work for people if they give me a work life balance. Um, I'm going to be very strong and determined about how I organise my working life. Oh, heck, I've now got bills to pay. Now I need actually the balance of power has shifted. It's almost like we're in a porters looking at the um, the shifting power dynamics within a marketplace. Yes, I, I think there are other elements that have played out in, in terms of the power balance, as you you indicate. Um, there was a discussion um, being very, very dramatic um, during COVID that it may well be something similar to the time after the Black Death when um, the power came back to the worker um, as opposed to the feudal landlord. Um, so the app attitude now is very much you know I've got to want to do the work um, and I've got to have a an interesting um, as you say work-life balance but also an interesting job to go to um, also probably more of the issue of a purposeful job um, I think what Covid did was basically it brought about a mental reset what we were used to and we had more or less become inured to was the pressures of a significantly um, active economy um, which caused us to do things such as long-term commuting, um, accepting poor service and indeed sometimes poor products um, as the norm. Um, uh, so the, the, the commute on a daily train where you may even be uh, standing or were sitting in overcrowded circumstances, the same thing in the tubes, um, was the norm and we all accepted it. Um, should we not like it, we were either considered to be unusual um, uh, or we had to you know, really be quite strong and strident about it if we wanted to um, do something differently. Uh, 
the um, the analogy of the the frog in the jam jar, uh, sorry, in the, in the boiling water is um, a useful. One, you know, we just continue to sit there as it gets hotter and hotter um, and not noticing. And something probably was similar in the sort of uh, from the 2008 onwards, um, maybe even before that. Um, the the bad side or negative side of uh, a Western economy was just accepted. You know, the queues on the highways, um, the bad services, etc. You know, it was just accepted that that was you know what you had to put up with. Yet in reality, most people didn't like it. Um, I and mean, you can go back even further. And uh, interestingly enough, you were referring to um, social changes. One of the things that immediately came to my mind was we're, we're back to a period which is fairly similar to the 70s, where there's constant social change, whether it's inflation, whether it's uh, disruption, whether it's power shortages, etc. Um, and then we also had a period where people were uh, rebelling against the necessary um, downsides of an economic life. Um, and I think the psychology now is very much that if I don't like the quality of the service, if I don't like um, um, the nature of the way in which I'm being asked to, to do something, I won't do it. So I think consumer psychology is very much more of a uh, hermit approach. Uh, I don't have to go out. I don't therefore um, go out. Um, I will uh, only purchase what I feel that I want to purchase. The element of inflation has obviously added to that, um, and the result of which is that uh, these trends are already larger. I think the other element that I find intriguing is how it's affecting business-to-business -business purchasing. So our business-to-business -business mentality, the way that we create relationships seems to have changed hugely. Um, this year is the first year I've noticed post-pandemic where I'm actually getting invitations and giving invitations back to in-person lunches and dinners and um, the, the sort of what was considered the perfectly normal routine of, of running a business. You, you met people um, in social situations to network and that was just accepted. Now, a lot of that is now done over Zoom. So the hospitality industry gets affected. But I think it does also affect the the level of the relationships that you build with people. So the business relationships do seem to be different if they're built over Zoom as opposed to over a, over a coffee or a lunch. Well, that's very true. Um, but what we also have now is the um, the normal approach could easily be to say, no, I, can we do this over Zoom? Um, and uh, it's not uh, considered to be a... Um, a rude um, response to mm. an invitation to, to meet. Mm. Um, we now have this flexibility, which means you don't have to commute. You don't have to go to somewhere that you don't want. And indeed, to some degree, you can obviously be much more productive um, because you don't have the travel time. Um, and so I think we have a new armory in our social and business battery. And the result of which is we, we make use of that. We therefore take a much more... Um, considered view of whether or not this business meeting is worthwhile, whether or not going for a lunch is worthwhile, whether or not this trip is worthwhile, um, and whether or not I could do the same thing much more conveniently um, uh, over the internet. But I think we've also got the fact that there is a proportion of the world which is feeling damaged and therefore doesn't want to go out, um, which is more uh, a new trend than we had before. Um, 
and yes, I think you're you're absolutely right. You know, that the, the business is now looking for, um, in inverted commas, new ways to engage with each other, um, and that is a reinvention of some of the old ways. Um, but interestingly enough, I think that again, innovation in uh, conferences, exhibitions, and seminars. Um, is definitely something that uh, is to be looked at from a business-to-business perspective um, as people's business attitudes change. Um, Again, we come back to the issue of, do I enjoy doing my job and therefore do I want to extend the evening's activity uh, with a social event um, rather than thinking, oh God, it's just going to be another nine o'clock commute home before I have to go to sleep in order to get up to come back again. And I think the other side that we haven't talked about, but obviously matters hugely to, to a college, is the attitudes to education and the way people now, there's no longer, certainly in the UK, and I haven't managed to find um, any statistics about um, the Europe or, or the US, but certainly in the UK, it's sort of, it's becoming more the norm that it isn't a requirement of good parenting that your children go to school five days a week. Now, Clearly, that is setting something up for the future. I'm not quite certain what, but from a, if a college, then if when you get onto a college or a university and they say, we expect you in for lectures, surely you have set up an idea that goes, well, actually, no, I don't need to. I can watch them online when I feel like it, on-demand learning. There's two interesting areas there. One is the school side and the other is the uh, the adult side. The schooling side, yes, you're absolutely right. There seems to be far, far more children out during school days. Um, the question then one has to think is, if if you believe your child doesn't need to go to school every day, um, what are you doing to educate them uh, when they're not at school? Um, because you do have to bear in mind that up to a certain age, and I'm not a psychologist, but up to a certain age, you are carrying around basically an educational sponge. So the more you teach them at that particular time, the better they are going to be for the rest of their lives. Um, And we already have a pretty bad class, uh, an economic underclass of people who have not got enough education and are therefore not capable of functioning in what is becoming an increasingly technical world. Um, And, uh, you know, one of the other conversations we constantly have is about AI. And if you aren't comfortable using AI at this stage, then, you know, you're going to have problems. So I think that the education at uh, at a child level is something that one could discuss. Um, But the education uh, from a college perspective... I'm not 100% sure because the element of full-time education, as it used to be, used to be 15 contact hours a week. And that used to be the uh, the benchmark. Now I see many, many people going for degree programs where they might only get three or four contact hours a week. Um, and the rest of it is done via either Zoom or self-study or whatever. So attendance on a you know five days a week basis for lectures uh, even in my days when I was at university, that didn't happen. Um, so I'm not sure it necessarily changes a great deal there, but it does change the customer dynamic, which says, what's the quality of what I'm getting taught? Um, and how much am I paying for this? And I think that is going to be the interesting, the, the, the whole model of further higher education. Um, and I sincerely hope that leads into lifelong learning as well, I think is going to be um, a 
a significant change. I think it's starting. I don't think enough has happened yet. And I'm absolutely certain that's going to be a huge change over the next few years as the customer, which is the student or sometimes the student's parents is starting to turn around and go, well, what's the benefit? Either an economic benefit or a life benefit, but challenge the benefit. Certainly. I mean, we, we used to talk uh, in the early days of the college about the not going to university route, um, which could lead you to a master's degree in a faster time with a lot less debt. And in fact, actually, given the fact you probably were working during that period of time, huge amounts more experience. Um, the, the standard approach to going to university just because it happens to be what you should do next, I think, has changed. It is a life-changing process, and that is the the nature of the period of three years or so away from home, um, and uh, not just the turning up for lectures approach. There is an element, obviously, in terms of learning a topic or the ability to learn, which is something that's sometimes lost, I think, in u some universities, teaching the, the enjoyment of learning, the how to learn, which is a lifelong skill. Um, and, you know, the philosophy of learning is something that I think that's much more uh, appropriate at an undergraduate level. Yes, and we, we can see there's an argument now for not teaching fact-based learning as such, it, as in rote learning facts, but there is a huge importance to challenging facts in a world in a post post truth world and world of fake information challenging the facts challenging the sources challenging the information you're given and thinking it through is so important yes and te technology as i think we discussed briefly last last week is changing the the nature of the way in which you can inquire and find out facts um, this mm. chat GPT book on um, the greatest economic thinkers um, is constantly uh, um, astounding people uh, over the last week as to you know the ways in which the AI interrogates what is essentially a database. It's called a book, but it's a, it's a database of economic thinking um, and comes up with different answers. And uh, it's very, very interesting to see you know, the way in which textbooks in future will probably be seen much more as databases to be interrogated. And it is the questioning that is the intelligence. I mean, what questions do you ask? How do you phrase it? Uh, rather than the, you know, just regurgitating of facts. Brilliant, Charles. We've sort of started in social and we've sort of ended up in <laughs> AI and questioning things. But I think, and I don't know that we've necessarily entirely related it to marketing, but it, what we're still all groping with is how the pandemic and the current situation and the economic situation is actually affecting society. And I think that's probably something we're all still going to be grappling with for a while. I think the way it's related to, to marketing is talk to your customers and, and get a very sound understanding as to how they've been affected. And, and this is you know, the essential aspect of everything that uh, marketing is about. Like and subscribe to this feed for more podcast content from Cambridge Marketing College.